Hare Krishna. We welcome everybody to the Wednesday morning discourse on Srimad Bhagavatam here at Radhakala Chanjidam. Rupa Nogadas with you. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Taking a little time out of your busy day to hear and think about topics of transcendental nature coming from the Srimad Bhagavatam, topmost piece of literature on the planet today. This morning we're still reading from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, second chapter, and we'll be addressing text number 31. So those of you who have your Srimad Bhagavatams close at hand, please please get out your copy and read along with us. And before we begin, we'll follow in the footsteps of His Holiness Srila Giridaj Swami Maharaj and have a short invocation to the Supreme Lord. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jai Gopijana Vallabha Girivara Dari Jai Gopijana Vallabha Girivara Dari Yasho Dananana Brajajana Ranjana Yasho Dananana Brajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tiramanachari Yamunati Dabanachari Jai Radhamadava Kunjabihari Jai Radhamadava Kunjabihari Jai Gaur Premananda Hari Haribo Jai Om Vishnupad Paramahamsa Padivijaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Shri Srimadis Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Om Vishnu Pad Paramahamsa Padivijaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Shri Srimadis Divine Grace Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Ananta Kuti Vaishnavrinda Ki Iskan Bibiti Vandra Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Shri Rup, Shri Sanatan, Bhatta Raghunath, Shri Jeeva Kapal, Bhatta Dasa Raghunath, Sadko Sami Prabhu Ki, Namacharya Shila Haridas Thakur Ki, Premse Kaho, Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhuntanda, Shri Advaita Karadhar, Shri Vasari Gura Bhakta Vrinda Ki, Shri Shri Radha Krishna, Gopa Gopinath, Shamakun Radhakun, Giri Govardhan Ki, Shri Vrindavanam Ki, Shri Maturadam ki, Shri Mayapunabhadvita ki, Shri Jagannath Puridam ki, 
शीशी वाम की गंग देवी की जमुन माई की तुलसी देवी की भक्ति देवी की समवेर भक्त वृंद की ब्रिहन मंग ट्रेंडल बुक एंड प्रसारम डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन की निताय गौर प्रेमानंद हरी हरी बहुल ऑल ग्लोरीज टू दी असंबल वोटीज ऑल ग्लोरीज टू दी असंबल वोटीज ऑल ग्लोरीज टू दी असंबल वोटीज All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. Shall be there, shall be upon. Namam Vishnu Paraya Krishna Pistaya Bhutale Shrimati Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Tinamani Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gurupati Pachanini Nivishesha Shrinivari Pistatya Deshidhanu. ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया नारायणम नमस्कृत्या नरम चनोत्तम दी सरस्वती तथोजायाद्रेशु निगवतुतम श्लोके भक्तिर्भवनी स्वामी So we'll read word for word uh, transliterations um, from text number thirty-one. So repeat after me, please. Taya vilasiteshu eshu guneshu gunavan eva anta. प्रविष्टा आभाती विज्ञानेना विज्रिंबीता तायाविलासितेश्वेशु गुनेशु गुनाबान्यिबा अंधा प्रविष्टा आभाती विज्ञानेनु विज्ञेन सॉरी विज्ञानेना विज्रिंबिता विज्ञानेना विज्रिंबिता ताया विले विलासितेश्वेशु गुनेशु गुनाबान्यिबा अंधा प्रविष्ट आभाती विज्ञानेना विज्रिंबिता विलासितेश्वेशु गुणेशु गुणवान्यिबा अंधा प्रविष्ट आभाती विज्ञानेनाभाती 
Thank you very much. Sorry the pitch was so high, Mother Mother Kunti. Uh, sorry, sorry the pitch was so high. Sometimes we men uh, chant verses at a pitch that is a bit too high for the ladies' voices. Word-for-word translations. Taya by them. Vilashiteshu. Although in the function. Eshu. These. Guneshu. The modes of material nature. Gunavan. Affected by the modes. Eva. As if. Anta. Within. Pravista entered into. Abhati appears to be. Vigyanena by transcendental consciousness. Vijrimbita fully enlightened. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, the After creating the material substance, the Lord, Vasudev, expands himself and enters into it. And although he is within the material modes of nature and appears to be one of the created beings, he is always fully enlightened in his transcendental position. Would you repeat with me, please? After creating the material substance, the Lord Vasudev expands himself and enters into it. And although he is within... The material modes of nature and appears to be one of the created beings, he is always fully enlightened in his transcendental position. And the purport by Srila Prabhupada. The living entities are separated parts and parcels of the Lord, and the conditioned living entities who are unfit for the spiritual kingdom are strewn within the material world to enjoy matter to the fullest extent. Strewn. It's as though someone has taken the living entities and just tossed them out of his hand, just like you're spreading seeds on a field. As Paramatma, an eternal friend of the living entities, the Lord, by one of his plenary portions accompanies the living entities to guide them in their material enjoyment and to become witness to all activities. And who is that plenary portion of the Supreme Lord who comes into the universe and then enters into the heart of each living entity? Mother Kunti. Paramatma. What's another name? Shirodakshai Vishnu is correct. Yeah, that's the Lord. Uh, uh, and what uh, what planet is he on? Pardon? The, it's the pole star, the planet that is uh, that is Lord uh, that is governed by Dhruva Maharaj. Uh, that's where the ocean of milk. It's also known as a Vaikuntha planet within this material universe. Have you heard it called that before? Vaikuntha planet within this material world. And so, not only does he lie down upon his Anantashesha bed on the ocean of milk, but he also enters into the heart of each living entity. And as Mother Kunti has said, he is known there as Paramatma. What else is he known as? 
Jirudakjai Vishnu, yes, and what else? As as the super soul, super soul is another name for Param, Paramatma, Paramatma, and one more name. We have we have a very nice lady in our community who has that name, with Dasi at the end. Antaryami, Mother Antaryami is here also. While the living entities enjoy the material conditions, the Lord maintains his transcendental position without being affected by the material atmosphere. In the Vedic literatures, Shruti, it is said that there are two birds in one tree. One of them is eating the fruit of the tree, and uh, while the other is witnessing the actions. The witness is the Lord. And the fruit eater is the living entity. The fruit eater, the living entity, has forgotten his real identity and is overwhelmed in the fruitive activities of the material conditions. But the Lord, Paramatma, is always full in transcendental knowledge. That is the difference between the super soul and the conditioned soul. The conditioned soul, the living entity, is controlled by the laws of nature, while the Paramatma, or the super soul, is the controller of the material energy. The living entity is controlled by the laws of nature, while the paramatma, or the super soul, is the controller of the material energy. And why is he the controller? How did he get that position? How did Chirodak, Dakshay Vishnu... Get that. Get the position of controller of the material energy by virtue of the fact that that energy is his. He it is. He can control it. He can do as he wants. He can even enter into it without being affected by it. But when the jiva soul, the living entity, enters into it, then of course he is affected because he gets a false ego and by which. He considers himself to be the material body, whatever type of material body he happens to be in. He identifies very closely with them. Omagyana timidandasya gyananjana salakaya chakchurun militam jena tasmai sri gurave namah. Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam Savitam Jainabhutale Swayam Rupakadamaya Tadati Swabarantikam. Bande hum shi guru shi dutta padakamalam shi gurun vaishnavans cha shi rupam sagratattam sahagana ragunatan bitam tam sajivam savadvaitam savaduttam padijana sahitam krishna chaitanya devam shi radha krishna padan sahagana lalita shi vishakan bitam cha he Krishna, Karanasando, Dinabando, Jagatpate, Gopesha, Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namostute, Taptakanchana Gorangi, Radhe Vrindavadeshwadi, Vrishabhanu Sute, Devi Pranamami Hadi Priye, Vanchakalpatarubhyascha, Kripasindubhye, Vacha, Patitanam Bhavanebhyo, Vaishnavabhyo, Namo Namah, Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadha Shiva Sadigura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Nama Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Shimadre Tamal Krishna Gosamaniti Namane I feel a little bit foolish thinking about giving giving further giving further uh, explanations of a, of a verse that we are so familiar with. But Srila Prabhupada repeats many, many times throughout the literatures that he's translated. He repeats the points. And we understand that the reason he does that is because we tend to be so forgetful. Um, so we might read something, and then two or three days later, we might have to go back and reread it to uh, remember what what it is, 
that we have read. So today I wanted to talk about the relationship between the Lord and the Jiva. And so for those of you who have been around for a while, everything that I'm going to say today you've heard many times in the past. So I don't want to bore you. Uh, nonetheless, what we'll try to do is is maybe um, in the course of speaking to other people about Krishna consciousness for the very first time, those who are hearing it for the very first time, maybe uh, going over these points once again will help us to uh, have in mind something that we can say to other persons who are are willing to listen. Of course, if persons are not willing to listen, if they simply want to argue, then uh, I would suggest that you might do what our spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, once suggested here when he was told by some of the book distributors uh, uh, back in the early 80s, uh, those who were going out to distribute books here uh, in Texas, um, he, they were asking him the question, what do we do if a person is a Christian and he just wants to argue with you? Uh, just argue. Well, most of us in, in this organization came from Christian backgrounds, but of course we have people from many other backgrounds as well. Uh, so the question then uh, applies then to anyone from any other religious background who might want to present some confrontational arguments. And he said at that time, just find someone else to preach to. <laughs> Simple solution to the problem. <laughs> if a person doesn't want, really want to hear what you've got to say and simply wants to argue a point, which you're probably already familiar with if you come from the same kind of background, then you just, you just say, thank you very much, have yourself a good day, see you later, and go and find someone else. So one of the first points that we, we need to make when we're talking with people is to recognize the identity and the nature of the jiva or the spirit soul. Uh, we understand that all of us came from the spiritual kingdom where we could have stayed eternally and, uh, and, uh, when, when, and we, uh, in the spiritual world, we recognized our selfhood means we recognize that there was a difference between us and the supreme person, the supreme soul. Um, but we did not uh, misidentify ourselves with a, a body that, that we have received and when we come into the material world. So we, we were there enjoying all the facilities of the spiritual world, enjoying the presence of the supreme person, um, whom, depending on the type of mood that we're in regarding him, the type of relationship that we had with him in the spiritual world, uh, we would uh, we would have one of, of many different relationships, different types of relationships, uh, one of friendship or one of parental love or one of a friend of, of um, a servant, that of being a servant. In other words, so many different kinds of relationships we could have in the spiritual world. So we experience those relationships with the Supreme Person uh, uh, depending on the location in which we found ourselves. In some places, the the, the Lord is, is worshipped as the Supreme Controller, the, you know, the proprietor of everything. And he's, he's worshipped with awe and reverence. And in other places in the spiritual world, he the, the living entity, the jiva soul, forgets exactly what Krishna's position is and thinks of him as their cowherd buddy. And sometimes uh, he loses when they're having a competition and he has to carry someone else on his shoulders or on his back. So different kinds of relationships. And we also have a certain amount of independence, even in the spiritual world. That, ind that independence is whether to stay there or whether to go into the material world. So we, we have to understand then and help others understand why the Lord would create this material world, which is known as a place that is temporary and is full of suffering and misery, along with little tidbits, little tiny bits of happiness and pleasure. So what is the reason? One is to satisfy the curiosity of the jiva, the soul, 
means that we come into this material world initially, it is said, uh, because we had the independence whether we wanted to stay in the spiritual world or to leave and see what that bright light was on, on the horizon over there. And, and, uh, and so even though we might have been advised by our friends that no, 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 you don't, you don't want to fool around with that, that you don't, you don't want to go to that place because you might be there for quite some time. Still, because we're so curious, uh, to, and that, that we want to check it out. And if, if you remember right, we read in the, in the stream at Bhagavatam, the 11th canto, I believe it was, about uh, one particular jiva soul who had been on in this material world for millions of years. And so when he finally got the attention of the Supreme Lord in the form of um, Nara Narayan Rishi, he, uh, he came and, and asked this, this personality, he said, uh, I am very pleased by your, your uh, celibacy, and I would like for you to take a boon. And so, uh, so what would you like to have? And so the, the, the person said, I would really like to know what your material energy is all about. Can you, can you tell me please about that? And so the Lord smiled at him wryly. You know that word wryly? Wry. Yeah. It's like, eh, I don't really want to give you this, but since you're asking, and it's my job to satisfy the desires of all my parts and parcels. Since you're asking, I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you what it is. So he began seeing this, his whole hermitage that he was staying in up in, I think, somewhere in the Himalayas. He began to see that everything was being inundated by devastation waters, waters of devastation. And so for quite a long time, he was able to wander around in this, in these waters and the waves were so high. It was as though they were touching the sky. And finally he came upon a banyan tree after so many, many lifetimes, uh, he, uh, or what would have been lifetimes had, had he been able to give up his body. It was a very long period of time. He came upon this banyan tree and Resting on, it curled up on one of the leaves of the banyan tree was a baby. And so you should, if you haven't, if you don't remember the details of that story, I suggest that you go and find that in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam and read that again. Here was a, here was a jiva soul who had been in the material world for a very long time. And still he was not satisfied that he understood the material energy of the Lord. So he asked for that. And so it's just partly to satisfy the curiosity of the jiva soul that the Lord creates this world. He also creates it to supply activities and facilities for pleasure. So the Lord is going with every living entity who chooses to leave the spiritual world and come into this material world. And regardless of what kind of body that individual happens to take, the Lord goes with him, even in that body, even in the body of, of a tiny, tiny creature living in the bottom of the ocean. The Lord is with that living entity and that little tiny, sometimes we call single cell amoeba. That's one of those creatures, or paramecium. Uh, the Lord goes with the living entity, even when he takes that kind of body. And he generally does that for uh, for the purpose of, of um, the, the jiva accepts that kind of body as, uh, as we might say, punishment for having uh, misused his freedom of choice in this material world, having, having come under the influence of the thought that this material world is meant for my pleasure, my pleasure alone, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do, take advantage of whomever I have to in order to enjoy to the utmost in this world. So we see that we have people, even human form of life, who are thinking like that nowadays. We do, we just look around, we hear on news and, and other sources of information about the living entities who have uh, more money than we can imagine at our disposal. And, and they, and still they're not satisfied. They're still hankering after more and more wealth. And then if they, if they, if they can't figure out a way to enjoy all their wealth, then they think about power.
how to gain control over all the other living entities so that I will be the most honored and respected individual. So Krishna then allows us the desire for independence. So he lets, lets us come into this material world that he's set up for us, and he's given us instructions how to enjoy in this world in a proper way. So in our incorporating with the demigods, the living entity who takes birth on this planet then can enjoy a life that is, that is uh, full of pleasure and has minimal inconveniences in it. But then, uh, then whenever the living entity chooses to use his independence and to use his physical form to take advantage of other living entities, whether they be human, whether they be animal, whether they be uh, take the birth in in the vegetable species, including the you know the huge gigantic trees that are on the planet. Sometimes those are just simply cut down and cut into pieces to make boards, uh, and and they've been in that body sometimes for maybe hundreds or even thousands of years on the planet. So uh, then, when it, whenever a, a an individual, the soul, takes advantage of other living entities like that, like that and causes them pain and forces them out of those bodies before their time is up in that body, then they're allowed to suffer. Uh, and it's not just for punishment. The Lord really wants us back into the spiritual world. So he allows us to go through a certain amount of suffering because we find that if, if we are enjoying happiness and pleasure and there's nothing to cause us grief, either from our own bodies, from our minds, from the demigods, from natural conditions around, even if there's not anything like that going on, then, uh, then we tend not to, to question why am I suffering so? Because there's no suffering, practically no suffering. And this is one of the disadvantages of taking birth in the planet of the demigods. Because there's so little suffering there that people are distracted by the pleasure that they get. And, and especially, just as, just as on this planet, they are, they're very much taken away by sexual pleasure, by attraction to those of the opposite sex, and now, nowadays, on this planet, even those of the same sex. So, uh, what is the purpose of that suffering then? Is to cause them to turn their heads around and look toward the Supreme Lord for some kind of answers to why am why am I suffering? What am I doing here? Why am I having to go through and suffer and you know all kinds of diseases? And then in the end. I have to give up this body, and I don't want to give up this body because I know that I'm an eternal being, and I know that these bodies are temporary. So why is it that I have to take birth in a body that's temporary, and then I have to give it up at the very end? So uh, anyhow, there's just enough pleasure in the world that many people, most people we can say, uh, would really hate to have to give up their bodies. Even though they become old and wrinkled and ugly, uh, you know, especially those of us who've gotten into our seventies, we we, uh, we we still we're so much identified with uh, you know it's our false ego causing us to identify with these physical forms that we're in. We haven't learned, we haven't heard from others that this body is no more than a sophisticated machine that houses us for a short time and then we have to go. So then we have to, finally we have to come to the understanding of the position of the Lord and living entities. We understand that, that the living entity wants to experience the Lord's material world, so he's permitted to do so. We understand that he takes a body that's suitable for existence in this material world. And depending on what planet one happens to land up on, that's, that's, that determines the type of body. For example, you know, we've heard that on the sun globe, there are living entities just as there are on this planet, but they just have a different kind of body, one that is not made of material stuff. It's made of energy they, like the, the heat and light of the sun. So we don't understand how the living entity could have a body like that. But we're, that's what we're told by the Shastras, by the Vedic literatures. And then we, we, uh, we, our position here 
is just simply performing activities for finding pleasure, and we look in all kinds of places. And nowadays we hear about there's so many perverted attempts to find pleasure uh, with these human bodies that we have. And we, and, and some, some living entities just try for decades and decades and decades. And even when they get to be into their 70s and 80s, they're still looking to get some pleasure out of these wretched material bodies that cause us so much grief. So it is, it is the Lord's uh, duty, or he accepts it as his duty, to provide the, the jiva with the inspiration to enjoy and to provide the means for enjoy, even if it means taking an entire nation to war with another nation because there's so much lust after whatever it is that other nation might have in, in, in the form of natural products or or some kind of uh, in industry that they become really good at, and and we want it for ours because that th- these other people they don't know how to deal with it. I, I heard one gentleman say of of this country that when when the Europeans first came over to this new world, North America, South America, that uh, th- there were a bunch of Aboriginal type people just running around. But they didn't even know how to make use of all the resources they had. So then, uh, it was the, it was the good fortune of these aboriginal people that some enlightened people came from the European continent over to this country and, and showed them how to use the resources. And of course, we see the results of the, of the industrialization of the of this country and and uh, and other countries as well, and the people who have the knowledge, who have the scientific ability, can make machines that can just ravage the earth and take out take out all kinds of valuable things to be used to in, to help people to enjoy or to make war against other people. So the, the the jiva then is allowed to use not only these materials, but he's allowed to use other persons for his own pleasure. And we can see that. We can see a, a horrible example of that during World War II in which we had uh, despotic leaders of other countries who took their whole country into a war trying to gain control of the entire planet, uh, such as Hitler and uh, and uh, um I see the uh, the Russian czar at that time. What was it? Stalin, Joseph Stalin, and then there was one in Italy, Mussolini, and and then of course America is is you know is is not exactly coming out smelling like a rose either, because the Americans. You know, after the Europeans came to this country, founded their own country, broke away from the mother country, they began acting very much like all the other European countries had back in the 1600s. And especially when the when the Industrial Revolution began to take place, they wanted resources from other countries. They wanted the gold, and they wanted the jewels, and they wanted the, you know, all kinds of vegetation. Uh, they wanted the you know the foods that were rare to eat, and in spite of getting all those things, they still set up slaughterhouses and killed many millions of animals, and that's still going on today, isn't it? So the Lord is is not only providing the inspiration for the jiva to do that to satisfy his own whims, uh, but he's also providing all of the means by which he can do that. So then. Naturally, then, the Lord, not wanting the living entities to have to stay in this material world, provided suffering to help the jiva learn to seek a solution to the problems that he has brought upon himself. And that suffering is a very valuable thing. Somebody quoted in here one day that Srimati Radharani was asked, what is the most valuable thing in this material world? And what did she say? Suffering. <clears throat> there was an old song, if you remember, if those of you who grew up in the 70s, and so uh, there's no suffering. Suffering is the only thing that made me feel I was alive. 
And so, and in a sense, there's that, there's a lot of truth in that. It's, it's only when we go through enough suffering that we begin to realize, hey, this, this body of mine, this, this body that used to give me so much pleasure as a young person is now the cause of a lot of suffering. And, and, and there are others then who also help to bring that suffering on me. But we also learn if we study along with someone who is knowledgeable, who is, who has some realization that nobody else is responsible for our suffering. Even though it might appear that Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or uh, Benito Mussolini might be causing us to suffer. Or in, we can say about our current administration, some people are doing quite well and they're very happy with it. Other people aren't getting what they want and therefore they're dissatisfied. But ultimately, the cause of our suffering is not other people. Rather, it is our own reactions that we're taking to what we've done in the past. So Krishna is so kind to us that he helps the jiva uh learn about these things from other persons that come into this world. And so he sends liberated souls to help awaken us to what our real position is. And then after we start getting some knowledge, then we understand what is the Lord's real desire for this material world. He doesn't desire anything in this material world, but what he does desire is that all the jiva souls who are in this world will be able to come back to play with him along the banks of the Jamuna or to worship him in some grand and glorious way in another planet in the spiritual world. So it's, and so if we want to, if we really want to satisfy the Supreme Lord, and get back to the place where he is dominant, where he, where people want to worship him, then uh, he wants us to help others to uh, awaken to their real identity. And if, if, because just like us, if so many people in this world are, are going through the, the cycle of happiness and distress, happiness and distress. Once you, once you get out of distress for a moment, then you think, ah, oh, this is happiness. And then very soon after that, then you go back down on the wheel, on the wheel of samskara and you go back into the suffering again. And then you come back up for, for a breath of air and, and your suffering is mitigated for a short time. And you go back down. And so it's up and down, up and down in this material world. And so the Lord wants us to help other living entities learn what it is that's causing them to suffer as they're doing. Then finally, he wants us to, to return all the jivas to their original home and activities. And so we understand that of all those living entities who have taken bodies in this material world, on this planet there are 8,400,000 species of which only the 400,000 are those of human beings. And we see that there's many different gradations of humanity among those living entities who take the body of human beings. So this is what Krishna wants us to do. Now, how to go about it? By disseminating knowledge. Because people will sometimes make good decisions if they know what their choices are. And if they know what the results of making those choices are going to be. So, uh, that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to cover for this, for this topic today. Um, and we've, we've talked about the relationship between the Lord and the Jiva, how we got into this material world, what, what the Lord wants us to do in this, in this world, what He does to help us come to an understanding of what it is He wants. And so I would like to just, uh, give you a, a little bit of information about what is going on, um, as one of the projects of our community, back in the in the in the seventies, early seventies, um, even before I came into touch with the devotees of Krishna, uh, I desired to go back to a an agricultural based existence. 
I wanted to develop a, a farming community that could be self-sustaining. And I wasn't alone. There were many other people, young people back in the 60s and 70s, even back into the 50s. There were some, even some older people who were desiring a more peaceful lifestyle than was present in a, in an agri, in, in a society that was not, not agricultural, but rather it was, it's commercial, industrial, military. Because we saw that there are so many people that even though they're working and they have a very easy lifestyle compared to that sometimes of a farmer, still, uh, it goes year round and it does not bring a lot of pleasure and there are a lot of, of, of obstacles that get thrown into our way. For example, we, we talked the other day about, um, the presence of men and women working in the same workplace and how even though they're not, well, I should say, the fact that they're separated from their spouses, their spouses may be working something somewhere else. Still, then that attraction comes between the sexes. And so people uh, begin to, uh, you know, get into some kinds of activities that that cause everybody to have to suffer especially when it leads to the breaking up of families and then children are, are, are you know, caught in the midst of, the, we could say, caught in the crossfire between the parents. And it's just, it, it can, be, can be a very difficult situation. But in an agricultural-based society, we, I used to think that this was the way that we can find happiness. This was before I encountered the devotees of Krishna which I did in uh, in June of 1973. Uh, prior to that time, and even after that time, I was still convinced that a self-sustaining, self-sufficient agricultural community uh, was the best way of life to have, even though I did not have a real good philosophical basis for believing that. So I, I never was able to pull that off because the people that I was dealing with they had no philosophical basis themselves for making such a change. And so a lot of young people then went out and tried to enjoy. They just tried to enjoy in, out in the countryside, but they didn't really have any, um, you know, any um, uh, vision of a community of people who believed in help. As a matter of fact, they, they tended to want to take advantage of each other. We saw that going on, too even among those people who considered themselves to be back to the landers. It just wasn't working. So I came then, my wife and I came to uh, this movement, and we came to Dallas in 1979 for the first time, and then came back to stay in 1980. And I still had not really given up the desire for living out in a rural situation. But I came to realize that this material world that we're in, this existence that I'm looking for, is also temporary. And it also is fraught with problems. So, uh, but still, Srila Prabhupada liked the idea of having self-sufficient communities. Because he knew that if, if we did that, if we engaged in farming, producing uh, foodstuffs from the land, raising cows for milk, and, and treating animals and the land with a great deal of respect, that we will treat other people with respect as well. And we can, we can maybe uh, hasten the exit of many jivas uh, out of this material world. So I've just been, for the last couple of weeks, I've been going out to uh, Radhanath Prabhu's farm, um, which is now called Kalachandi's farm, and I've been helping do some work out there. And finally, I'm seeing some uh, some efforts then to provide um, a, a type of situation that people can come out and appreciate and enjoy. For example, we're, we're building, a, a, we're just now getting into the position of, of constructing a building that will allow us to uh, have picnics and gatherings out there. Uh, this is like an open-sided barn that we're building. Uh, it's, it's, uh, what's it called? What do you call those things where people gather together? No, it's, it's actually not a barn. It's more like, you remember the place we had up in, in uh, Oklahoma, Kunti? Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
That's right. Except it, that would have sides on it. Usually a hay barn would. So it was just, it was like an open-sided barn, but, you know, uh, it's a, it's an enclosed, it, it, it has a roof on it. So that's what we're preparing. And we've also, we've also been, uh, and this is necessary because in, in the past few years, since, since uh, we've been going out there and having picnics, we were just really out in the, out in the wide open. And if it was a really hot day, it was really, you know, you'd had to find a tree to get under. And there were no facilities out there, you know, no bathroom facilities and that sort of thing, no running water out there. So you had to take everything with you. So I just wanted to give you an idea that we, we're now recognizing that uh, in order to make it possible for people to come out and enjoy being out in the out of doors, it's, we have to provide some facilities like that. And so uh, Radhanath Prabhu has been checking with a local water company, and uh, and we've gotten gotten some prices on getting uh, uh, the piping down to the property, and getting a meter set up, and it isn't cheap. We're talking about something just over twenty thousand dollars just to get the just to get water to the property from from the local utility company to get water at the place that we need it. Of course, he has a house at the other end of the property, but that's that's really his private residence and we should not we should not think that that's open to us when we go out to picnic because it really should not be. So we need to make facility for people there at the place out in the out in the open field uh and also uh right up behind the place where Gopal Prabhu is doing some gardening out there, there is a big cedar thicket so we've been going in and and clearing out some of the of the, the cedars that are there, and we're going to be using those uh, tall posts, uh, which are we know were the formerly the trees. Uh, they're going to be anywhere from ten to fifteen feet tall. We're going to be using those to create this uh, facility for uh, for people to get in out of the weather a little bit when they're when they're out there for picnic. And then uh, in that same thicket, that same cedar thicket, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, putting up some simple cabins for those people who want to come out and spend some time, maybe spend a few days, spend a weekend occasionally. Uh, Because I I mentioned in the last class that I gave here in the temple room that uh, it, it it, it takes effort to make the transition from city living to country living. And so until people see how pleasant it can be living very simply out in the country, even for a day or two at a time, you know, staying overnight, maybe staying a couple of nights, something like that, until they can see it's going to be very difficult for anybody to envision themselves and their families moving out to the country and trying to do anything like self-sustaining farming. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea. It's it's hard work to do because it requires uh, equipment uh, that's big enough to you know to do things like drag these tree trunks from one place to another. They they're much too heavy for for a human being to carry very far. There have to be chainsaws for cutting down the trees, and that's something that uh, Radhanath Prabhu has been preparing for for quite a number of decades he's been doing that kind of work and so uh to, but he, one person can't can't handle it and and both he and I and Kalki Prabhu who has recently joined us and he's he's got some construction experience he's going to help to develop these things all of us are in we're either in our 70s or we're approaching the 70s and so what we're just trying to do is to make a start so that the young people in this community will have something to build on in the future. We know that we're not going to be around on the planet ourselves long enough to really enjoy that kind of thing. But then that's the nature of this material world that we've just been talking about, isn't it? If, if it is properly used, it can be a, a place of pleasure and a place of, of coming to understand what our real position in this world is and that it is temporary 
And so we're making that attempt. This is one of the activities or some of the activities that we've got going on out there. Takes manpower, takes money, and we're just working on it, hoping that somehow that we can satisfy our discipline succession, our spiritual master, and the and the guru parampara, and and that uh, somehow or other, if we can satisfy them, then we know that Krishna will also be pleased. Hare Krishna. Is there anything that anyone would like to ask, comment on at this point? And do we have a microphone available? Mark and Arishi. That was the name of the individual who came and stayed for millions of years on the right. planet. Mother right. Kunti is saying, Mark and Arishi. So your memory is better than mine. Even though I've read that not too long ago, see, I've already forgotten the name. No, no, no. You're my big brother. You remember a lot more than me. Um, the um, story is so beautiful because, like you said, he's floating and floating and floating and. You can imagine being in the sea, in the ocean for so long. And then all of a sudden, like you said, he saw the banyan tree. And underneath that banyan tree, on a large banyan leaf, is this beautiful baby. And that beautiful baby is sucking on his toe. And like babies do, sometimes they'll, they'll stick their toe in their mouth. And they'll suck on it. And that baby... Was Sri Krishna. <coughs> yeah, it's a wonderful story. So, any 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 of you who did not hear those discussions when they were being held here in the temple room a couple of months ago, uh, then I, I would I would encourage you to uh, pick up the eleventh canto, beautiful beautiful uh, canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. As though there were not other beautiful cantos as well, but that that one that was very appealing to me. Any other comments or questions? I learned in my teaching career that you don't go from listening to thinking about what to question very quickly. Usually when people ask, a professor or teacher asks for uh, questions, um, I've heard it said that, well, I'll I'll ask you all, do you know how long a person normally waits, a person who is speaking or who is lecturing, do you know how long they give their audience to think about asking a question before they say, all right, if there are no questions, how long do they usually give the audience to come to the point of congealing things in their minds to the to the point that they can ask questions? Does anybody have any idea? How how long would you guess, Stephen? How long do you think that a speaker would allow the audience to think about it before he goes on with his talking? Well, Fifteen seconds. Anybody else want to guess? A minute? What do you think? A few seconds? How many? Huh? It's actually on the order of, they usually wait about three to four seconds. Fifteen seconds would be a very long time, Stephen. One minute, Kunti, Mother Kunti. Nobody, nobody would stay around in the, in the, they, everybody would get up and leave if, if the speaker stopped talking for a whole minute, waiting for questions to occur. So anyhow, I say, I bring that up just in case you're ever in the position of speaking in front of a group of people, uh, that if you ask for questions and you really want questions, then you wait. And if you're not getting any questions, then the next thing, uh, instead of saying, well, I guess you know everything, you're not asking any questions, which many speakers will do, instead, ask your audience questions and let them respond. So, I'll ask you a question. 
What do you think is the likelihood that a group of people who have lived in the city for decades or maybe all of their young lives, what is the possibility that you could get those persons to move out into the countryside and make a subsistence living by farming? What do you? What is the probability that that would happen? Is it 50% probability? Is it 10%? Is it 75%? How much? 50. Mother Kunti says 50. The eternal optimist, Mother Kunti. <laughs> you know what I'd say? Zero possibility. Zero probability. Why? Why do, you, why do I say that? We're talking about getting a group of people to start a self-sufficient community. What is the likelihood that that would happen and would continue for more than just a, a matter of months or a few years? I, I think it would be very close to zero. And why is that? Because it's not an easy thing to move from where you are out into a place. It's almost like moving to another part of the world. Because here you are, and what, you know, how are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to school your children? How are you going to uh, raise crops? What are you going to do? Are you going to use animals? Or are you going to do everything by hand, manually? So it's a, it is a major undertaking to do that. And that's the reason then that, that three old men, four old men are right now out on a piece of land trying to get a few things together because we know that if Prabhupada said that this is what we should have, we should have every, he didn't say every community should have a farm, but where he said that if, if it is, if it can be sustainable, then you can, you can try it. So we think that it, it is a, that if, if it is going to happen as it is occurring in some places in the world, then someone has to make the attempt. Radhanath Prabhu and his wife, Mother Deborah, have provided us with a piece of land out there uh, to experiment with, to see if this is something that we could actually do. And why, why, why do we want to do that? Because the cities are not very good places for children and other living entities. It can, they can be very harsh, can't they? And there are so many influences, so many distractions, that when you sit down to chant, um, if you do that in, in the morning time, or whenever you do, whenever you sit down to chant, there are so many distractions in the form of uh, entertainment, news, and, and that kind of thing, that it's very difficult for us to even envision a situation in which there was not electricity present, there were not televisions or radios or, or uh, uh, means of having cellular phone communication. So it's not an easy thing to do. Anyhow, so that's that's what we're doing, and I, I encourage everybody who is listening uh, to give some thought and give some encouragement and if you have funds, you can also throw in some, some funds occasionally to help do things because it is quite an expensive endeavor just to own a tractor, own some equipment. Even to get started farming with animals requires some expense. And that just, that, uh, and it takes a lot of manpower to do that. So we encourage everybody to do that. And whatever means you have of, of helping to educate other people about their real nature, the fact of who they are and where they have come from, we encourage you to take up whatever means you can, even if it's doing nothing more than, uh, than speaking to the person a little bit about Krishna, depending on what they're able to accept. And if not that, then, then saying, here, put this in your mouth and giving them a cookie or something like that that has been prepared by devotees of the Lord and offered to the Supreme Lord. Because we know that uh, that prasadam, uh, what, what's it called? Time bombs. <laughs> it, they will have effect. Just like you, may, you might not agree that your doctor is giving you a medicine that will help you cure your ills. 
But if you simply follow the instructions and take the medicine, then quite often the cure will come. The medicine will act. So we know that uh, even though we look at a cookie or something that has been offered to Krishna, we think, oh, it's a nice cookie, and then we'll pop it in our own mouths. But we don't think about how, how what effect that it might have over a period of time. Or putting a piece of literature into someone's hands. We have a few people going out each week. Uh, uh, different people are going out to distribute some literatures. And they're not distributing a lot of literatures. But those who are getting the literatures, it can bring about a change in their entire lives. And we've seen that happen. As a matter of fact, we are those changes that came about. The piece of piece of uh, the book that a young man gave me on the streets of Knoxville, Tennessee, in 1973, it it changed my whole life. It caused me to move from Tennessee, East Tennessee, from the beautiful mountains of East Tennessee, Appalachia, to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and who in his in his right mind would do such a thing, except for uh, getting a job, right? And a lot of people come to this, come to Dallas for getting a job. As a matter of fact, we've got one young man. I'll share one more little story with you. One young man that I was, I was, I was talking with the other day, who was here in the community, Srinath Krishna Prabhu. Uh, he and his wife moved here from. Uh, 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 let's see, where was it in Utah? I can't remember the name of the town. Anyhow, it's this beautiful mountains all around there. And when his company first sent him to take a look at Dallas to see if he wanted to move here, he he thought, no, no way. But then when he came into our temple room and saw Sushivadakala Chanji, he said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> all right, it's late. So thank you all very much for staying with me and for uh, participating. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Shil Prabhupada Ki Jai, Sushivadakala Chanji Ki Jai. And for all of you who are listening in, your Vaishnava devotees of the Lord, you uh, fulfill the desires of everyone. You're full of compassion for fallen conditioned souls. We offer you our humble obeisances. Vancha kalpata rubis chaya kripas nbiyeva chaya padidanam bhavanibhyo vaishnavevo namo namah. Grantarashimba bhagavatam ki jai, ki jai. Shishi varakalachanji ki jai. Shila prabhupada ki jai. Gora premananda. Hari hari bo. Everybody go out and have a wonderful productive day.